1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. You know those things you are too embarrassed to talk about when it comes to dating? like when to say I love you, how to define the relationship. Well, We Met at Acme touches upon all of those subjects and more, and we get right into it with our guests and talk about their dating lives and also what not to do when it comes to dating because we're all kind of confused together. So you can tune in every Sunday to We Met at Acme, and maybe you can learn a thing or two while I learn a thing or two.
0: Okay. We're back this week and I am doing my first virtual podcast. Is it remote? Is that the word we use? Remote. But thankfully it is with a friend of mine. We've been online friends for a while. And then we got to hang out in New York city a couple months back. And I just said this to her, we're doing a pod swap today. So I'm on her podcast. She's going to be on mine. So we kind of get to have fun and hang out together this afternoon. But when we sat down and had lunch together, it was like, no time had passed and we'd known each other forever. She is definitely a sister of mine in this space and a huge inspiration. Please welcome Shanae Alexander. Hello. Do I say your name right? I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, Shanae Alexander. I just said it and then I get, I have so much anxiety now around that because one oh. time I had a guest on and her name is Tara and I said, Tara.
1: <laughs> you know what? But the most famous Tara is Tara Reed. Rest in peace, Tara I mean, she's not dead, but just like rest in oh, peace, Tara Like you're like just generally like what? rest in peace. I hope she's resting in
0: peace right now, Tara Reed. Uh, but, but I mean, the most famous Tara. Most famous. Terror. Terror. You're right. You're right. And apparently we all say Rihanna's name wrong. And we also say, what's her name? Charlize Theron. We always say Theron and it's Theron. Oh, wow. My friend in college
1: we were at a party and my friend kind of looks like Charlize and this guy came up to her and he was super drunk and he was clearly trying to give her a compliment, but he goes, you know who you look like? You look like that girl, Charlize Theron from the movie monster, which she looks awful in the movie monster. She's supposed to be a serial killer. who is like, I was like, she, my friends are crying. That's like she a backhanded crying.
0: compliment. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't pick the Italian job? Do you know Something? that there's like that's actually a tactic that men will use? I forget the terminology for it, but oh. it's basically that they insult you so that you feel the need to like make them like you. And oh it's like a mind God. game. I have to look it up, but it was that just reminds me of that so wild. But anyways, Ugh. you live in New <sighs> York City. You have recently recovered from coronavirus. Straight up, yes. COVID-19. You got it. You're living in New York got City. The Rona. You got the Rona. You're living in New York City where it was like, I think it was so, it was wild because when you got it, it, was like literally at the peak of like everyone's fear and knowing somebody that I, I was like, I remember looking at my husband and being like, my friend Janae has it. And he's like, what? Because here we were just like, are there cases in the city? Like, is it happening mm. yet? Is it here? And all of a sudden we're watching New York City basically change overnight. How's it been? What happened? And like- How's it going? You know what? I'm so mad. I'm so pissed off because number
1: one, I was the most careful. I was like queen shut it down. I was so careful. I was like manically wiping down my groceries. So cautious. I kind of like stayed inside way before most people did. I took every precaution. Unfortunately, we live in buildings in New York, obviously that have many people that live in the buildings. Something as simple as taking the dog out. You're like, you're all You're in exposed. the jersey So yeah. I remember one night I got on Instagram and I was like, I'm feeling weird. I'm going to take my temperature because we had been tracking our temperature. Another like Virgo tendency. I wanted to like track everything perfectly. So we'd been taking our temperature, me and my partner every day. And he, he was like, you don't have it. You're fine. You're fine. Took my temperature. My temperature was high. And then I started getting like a headache. And then the next day, sure enough, woke up, was feeling so sick. The weirdest part with getting COVID-19 is that one day you feel great and the next day you feel like absolute garbage. Yes. Like I felt like someone found me in a sewer on certain days and then other days I was like, I think I'm totally better, which ruins you mentally because you think that you're better and then you're not. And so that was like very disheartening in the process. But yeah, I got a very mild case. Thank God. I, I'm so angry because I feel like I take every supplement I like am on like immunity wellness shots and turmeric and all that stuff. And my boyfriend survives on like cheese pizza and he did not get sick.
0: (gasps) Why? He was like living in proximity to you was fine.
1: He was literally like kissing me. He oh, decided that my like gosh. in a New York City apartment, you cannot quarantine he away from each other. He must have been like, asymptomatic.
0: Like I've heard that a lot with kids is that kids were one of the highest risk for spreading it because they're just asymptomatic. Their immunities are just on a different level. But I get you, that would frustrate the heck out of me too. Because I swear I'm the only one that even cares to take a vitamin in this house exactly. or eat a vegetable. Like that would Not, piss me off. You know-
1: not that I want him to get sick, but I was no, like... No, but that's... I valid. was like, this is... If one of us was going to get sick, it wasn't going to be me. But I actually am so glad that he didn't get sick because he was able to, like, take care take of me. Care, yeah. He was awesome. As he like, petty as care we want to be. And <laughs> everything, <laughs> yeah. but, like... But New York City is stressful right now. It's still yeah. stressful. My neighbor who we have dog friends that play, she works at Mount Sinai Hospital. And, you know, there's a truck with bodies, refrigerated truck with bodies outside. Oh so my God. it is definitely like still pretty bad here. I think for it being bad, morale's pretty good. Do you guys feel like where you are that you're feeling like, why are we still inside? Like, um, are you feeling
0: frustrated with that? I think I'm more frustrated that I don't know the rules. There's been so much up and down about it. And sometimes I'm like, am I allowed to do that? So I'm just keep exercising on the side of caution, which makes yeah. me like the other day I was outside and my neighbor came and like sat on the sidewalk. And I'm like, are we allowed to do this? Because I just read something where it's like, you're not allowed to stop on sidewalks. You have to be moving on sidewalks and you can't like stop. Then it changed and it was like, no, you're allowed to be in groups of five or less as long as you're like outside and like, sharing in social distancing still. And I was like, okay, so I can have a cup of coffee on my front lawn with a neighbor or not? So I just feel like I'm just really going extreme with like being so cautious that I just don't know what the rules are. I think the one thing is, I think as they start to roll out these changes and what the next steps are, that's kind of given me a little bit of like, okay, like I've heard some rumors of what might happen in terms of how things might expand going, like opening back up again but also just knowing that there's going to be likely a second wave and like, how can we prevent that? And like, if we do this, and I think part of my frustration has been this whole time is the people that didn't listen in the beginning is why this has lasted so long, but also that the virus is so sneaky and so unknown that even people doing the right things are still like, it's just, there didn't really seem to be a lot of, there's not a lot of understanding to it. And I've been avoiding the news. So a lot of that's on me. But yeah, there is a little bit of, we're getting to the point where I felt when it first happened, it felt like a zombie apocalypse. And now it's like, oh, we're just inside now. Like this is just our yeah. life. I'm just going to wear truck pants and like we'll all go joke about being on zoom meetings. And it just seems a little bit like we've relaxed out of the fear. Like, I don't know that I've, I don't sanitize my groceries after I unpack them anymore. And I was at first, right? Like there's, yeah. I've definitely relaxed because it just doesn't seem as big a deal, but the numbers aren't showing that it's not a big deal. And, and so I, I'm interested to see why we're responding that way. And I'm curious to see what kind of comes of it too. Like, is this just our new norms for a while or is this just a temporary, a very temporary thing?
1: Yeah, I wonder, I was talking to my boyfriend about this yesterday, about what happens after we go back to semi-normal life. I I think it'll be different for the next year a little bit. Like, I think we'll have times, from what I've read, that we have to kind of go back inside for a period of time and then you're out and then you're back I'm most afraid that they said that like hair stylists are going to be the last people to open oh. like in New York. And my roots, I'm gonna have completely black hair. I'm platinum blonde. I'm gonna have a completely black mushroom cut by the end of the this. A if of women shaving once their, their heads. Once my black roots get beyond
0: my ears, I think I have to shave my head or get a mushroom cut. What do you think? I think Which you do you kind vote of for? look badass if you shaved your head. I'm so jealous of people who are shaving their heads right now because it looks so good. And then they bleach them and they dye them cute colors. And it's just, they wear really nice earrings and it just looks really great. But I don't have a head. Also, for that.
1: much easier to wear wigs when you have a Ballad. shaved head. Like I love wigs. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I like like Halloween wigs, but you have a lot of wig experience too. But um, I, I, it's so hard to put a wig on with it a is. lot of hair underneath. I was just thinking the other day, I was like, if I did shave my head, wigs would be really easy to put on. But I think I'm I'm speaking and I'm thinking out of a, an anxious place and a place yeah. that I've been inside for almost eight weeks.
0: Honestly, but I, I think as a group and as a society, like it's really stretched us into new places. Like it's kind of forced our relationships to be a lot more... Like we can't just like be distracted by an event of doing something. We can't just go to the mall together. We can't just share in a lunch together. We're having much more intention to our relationships. And that part I actually quite enjoy. But I also live in the suburbs. I'm outside of a major city. Like Toronto is still, they have a totally different scenario than we do. I can't even imagine New York City. Are the streets like eerie right now? Yeah, it feels really dystopian. I think really? So like doing something like grocery shopping,
1: it's like, Everyone is in a line around the block. Everyone yeah, has masks. Too. The thing I'm really like missing is people aren't really like looking in your eyes and like it almost feels like we're shielding each other from yeah. each other. And that like that doesn't feel good. Like I'm really having to like get my smizing, like my Tyra Banks yeah. smiling with my eyes really down <laughs> because I'm like trying to smile at people to show them that I'm like, I'm a nice person. We're in yeah. this together. And I'm finding that very hard with a mask because here you can't go out Didn't without a mask that. now.
0: I've been definitely the one that's been staying home and letting my husband. I have just, I've learned my own boundaries at this point. I think everyone starts to, and I, I do have the privilege of being in a relationship where my husband can do some of those things. But the last time I did a run to a store was probably three weeks ago. And I came home and I was like, as close to emotionally comatose as I've been this whole process. Yeah. Like I was just, it just hit me. And I was like, as I'm at home and I'm in the, my little bubble. And normally like I travel a lot. We do things, we're all over the place. When I'm home, like I'm home. Like I'm just doing my thing. So it's really been a stretch, I think, emotionally for so many people where- I love being at home. I love being a homebody. But now I almost feel like I'm a little agoraphobic where I'm just like, I don't even want to leave. Like I I don't want to leave if I can avoid it. Like I don't, we are doing click and collect for our groceries. We order them a week in advance so that we don't have to do that. It's just like anything we can do for me to avoid being in public. And it's not even for personal safety. It's for my mental health. Totally. I mean, we're going to be different after this. And I'm very
1: interested, more from like a society perspective. Kind of experiment way of how we relate differently to people in public right. and how much of this kind of carries over. Like, oh, do we hug? Does that feel weird? How much of our communication is still going to be virtual? Yeah. You know, are we going to call people more? Are we going to like About FaceTime it. more? Because I don't really love talking on the phone, but I'm no, talking on either. the phone so much during this.
0: Yeah, me too. Even if I'm like, I'll have like my coworker Haley, well, I'll put her on like a FaceTime and I'll just work with her there. And it just feels like, oh, I have somebody there and we're having a conversation. I think you're right. I think we're kind of forcing ourselves to expand on the way that we have relationships. But I kind of want to like dive into, before we move on onto other things, I think it's important to hear some people's experiences. You said it was kind of all over the place, but in terms of symptoms for yourself, I've heard some people had a loss of smell and a loss of taste. Were there like core identifiable things that you were like, this is it?
1: Yeah. Because you know, with like normal colds or flus, you have like a runny nose, you have a sore throat, you kind of have like those type of symptoms. It was definitely like fever, like low grade fever going Mm. in and out all day but my fever, some people's fever gets really high. My right. fever was like, at the most, was like 101.
0: Okay, but okay.
1: But I, ha- I had been tracking my fever every day up until then. And my fever was like, my body internally is even type A. It was like yeah. 98.6. <laughs> it was like you try. exactly the like normal body temperature. Like I'm psycho through and through. I'm literally like, so, touch your
0: lips to a forehead. Yes, you have a fever. <laughs>
1: And then, you know, I'm like, am I hot? Is it hot in here? I mean, for weeks, I thought I had the coronavirus before I actually got the coronavirus. So let's be honest about that. But I definitely have low-grade fever in and out. I definitely had a cough. My cough just ended like a week ago, which I Mm. feel like really happy about. Um, But it was just like weird dry cough. And then I had light headaches. And then you're just exhausted. I mean, Mm. I was like taking laundry out of one bag and putting it to the other and I had to lay down. Is that because your lung capacity has changed? Is that why or is it... It's definitely that. You feel like out of breath Mm. from like... And like a really weird thing is being conscious of your breath. Of like... True. Almost getting stressed out. Like you need to breathe. You need to breathe. Like that's what I was kind of feeling. And that is a really weird thing to like think about. That also is like a symptom of anxiety. So it could be both. Yeah. That's that's not just a coronavirus symptom. That's like an anxiety (laughs) symptom too. I know so many people... Had like a loss of taste. Yeah, that's I the one I fortunately, heard. I fortunately ate all the things during coronavirus. I had no loss of taste, loss of appetite. In fact, I was so hungry <laughs> and I definitely could taste everything. But yeah, it was a really weird thing because it was not like any other sickness. It was really specific. It was very, like, yeah, I had very like textbook symptoms. I did not get tested for coronavirus because in New York, yep. you basically can only get tested if you're. At really high risk for hospitalization or if you're older or if you have an immune deficiency. So I was not in that category. And I certainly could have gone to a private doctor, but I also personally didn't want to put any more stress on the healthcare system than I had to. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's my journey with it. It was definitely mild, but it still kicked my ass. So for people that are like going through it really badly, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, you really could see the severity of the symptoms. Yeah. And I know that I had a mild case.
0: Well, I was watching, what's his face? Uh, Why can't I think of his name? From The Bachelor. Chris Cuomo. No. Oh,
1: no. (laughs) Who were you saying? I was saying like a news anchor and you were saying something from The Bachelor, which I've never seen The Bachelor.
0: I didn't watch his season. I forget his name. Oh, I forget. It's going to drive me crazy. Colton. Colton got it. And so I saw the fact that he had gotten it, but he was kind of showing himself through it. And like, you could see the sweat on his face and how gaunt he was looking and the Mm. struggle he was having to breathe. And I'm like, this guy's an athlete. Yeah. And to see it take somebody down, you were like, you know, before that we had, and i had seen like people like Idris Elba who was like, oh, I I tested positive, but like, I'm fine. And it was like, there's such a wide spectrum. I had a friend in Toronto who got it and she was like down, like down, down, down. And I think that's important to hear the diversity and experience because it makes you not to be an alarmist, but to be real about the fact that everyone will respond differently. And you don't know who might potentially in your home or in your space or in your community respond in a really negative way and potentially lose their life, which is why, even if it's mild for you, it's not going to be mild for everybody. And and that's, I think, why we take it seriously and we think outside of ourselves and, and protect these people, right? So I think that's a really good lesson about this whole thing. Yeah. If you can
1: if you can glean anything good out of all this experience mm. is having to think about other people yeah. as much as you think about yourself. And having to actually put in place sacrifice for other people, oh, you know, yes. sacrifices of not going outside or not going doing things that you like or not going to the restaurants that you like to go to or getting your roots done or whatever it is. I think there is a level of sacrifice that has not been asked of us as people. Yeah. Right. So right. You know, in our lifetime that we're being asked to do that. I mean, it's similar like other generations of having to go to war yes, or having to go to work yes. because people were in a war or having to sacrifice for your family. So I I think we're going to learn a lot from this. I think one really interesting part of sharing my story online and kind of chronicling day to day being sick, as much as I think sick content is so boring, like Mm. (laughs) personally, it's like I think dreams are boring. Like to tell people about your dreams, I think also being sick is boring. But I think by sharing it, the feedback that I got from my community was they were like this helps me feel less anxious, but also helps me be more purposeful in doing the measures. Yes. You know, they're like, I feel like it's more personal because I feel like I know the person that has it. And I'm not scared of dying because if you don't see anything but the news, you're like, I'm going to be on a ventilator. Yeah, Yes. And that's not healthy either. You also want to like have the other side of, hey, I'm mild, but I'm not really feeling good. And this could be really severe if I wasn't under any circumstance that's different than my own.
0: Yeah, and I think I have to, like relating back to the sacrifice part of it, I had somebody say to me that they had heard, what if we were the at-risk ones and our grandparents were the ones that were more of the spreaders of it? They would be laying down their lives in every way possible to protect their children. And this is an opportunity for us to show this. And even while we're all at risk, like nobody is kind of exempt from it, they are the most at risk, the vulnerable ones. Like the fact that we can show them that we will also make sacrifices because they've gone to war. They've done things for us. They've raised us. They've given us life. They've given us this world that we live in right now and started so much. They would have done anything for us This is just like the beginnings of what we can do for them. And I know that's hard because there's people going through a lot of loss, a lot of financial loss, a lot of sadness. I've really struggled with a bit of quote unquote survivor's guilt because of being in a place where my husband and I are both still working. And while I've financially taken loss, I'm still okay. And we've kind of had to take on this attitude of what can we survive on? And everything above that has to go back into community because We just can't be in a position where I don't want to hoard my money right now. This is, I know that feels weird to say, because everyone wants to kind of do that. And there's a lot of unknowns, but there's a lot of people right now who can't eat food. And I would hope that if there was a day in the future where I couldn't get food on my table, that there were people that were like, this is what I have. And then I have a little bit extra. Let me make sure that you're eating tonight as well. Let's extend our tables. Let's kind of share the best ways we can in this experience and help each other out because, these are completely new times. And there are some of us who are coming out of it, like going through it, like relatively just scraped up. And some people who are literally getting dragged by the car, like it's, right. it's entirely different experiences while all experiencing a lot of the same. So if I really anyone appreciate Anyone out there that. is um, listening and dealing with a
1: lot of guilt because I have felt yeah. that way too about the guilt of having enough. But I mean, I've lost work and my partner got laid off from his job. And also, but then you just look at New York and you're like, you still see like homeless people that don't have anywhere to go to stay home. Like they don't have access to proper masks and hand washing and things like that. And then our community, like all the schools are open for three meals a day for people to pick up that don't have access. And so so what's amazing about those systems is I'm like, wow, I wonder if we're learning things that we could carry through after this to give more access to people who need things. But If you're dealing with the guilt of comparative suffering, Brene Brown has a new podcast and she talks about comparative suffering on one of her episodes. And it is it was so eye-opening to me. She talks about how to feel your feelings and how to go through what you're going through, but also how to deal with that in comparison to what other people are going through. It really Mm. helps me
0: process. I think it's 35 minutes. So that's she's amazing. And I love she's the best. I love the way that she takes things and she breaks them down into like palatable pieces of digestion for us because I think you're right. And I think it's her that said it about like the pain Olympics. Like we're not in the pain Olympics. Like we don't, it's okay. And I think that's what's so dismissive sometimes. Like somebody might actually- Like, let's say somebody with disordered eating really struggling with their food options and struggling with that, it doesn't help for somebody to come along and say, well, you know what? At least you have food to eat. Right. Doesn't help them in their healing. Or like, I don't get that. Or like, at least you get to order food or whatever it is. Like, we start to do that. And we start to be like, well, at least you... And it's so funny how we do that. We do this comparison and it invalidates people instead of welcoming them into sharing in an experience even while different. Totally, totally. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about you. Like I said, you were such an inspiration to me and I want to kind of explain why. Because- In the realm and in the space of body stuff, it gets really uncomfortable when you move from feeling apologetic for your body to feeling ownership and pride over it and shifting those gears. And you are somebody who I've gotten to experience and watch having confidence in a body that I relate to. And unapologetically, without having to like point out differences, without having to always go down that path, I get to just look at you and be like, damn. And like, there is that part of me that I enjoy following you because relatable, like we have kind of similar stories and stuff, but you've really just taken a lot of what has been overexplained explained a lot of times and regurgitated. And you just give purpose to showing up and representing a body that we don't see all the time. And that is so stunning. And you do it in lingerie and you You talk about things that are like, oh, I'll never forget the day. You're like, it doesn't matter what you look like. We've all had nipple hair. And I was like, (gasps) or I don't know what you said, but I was just like, oh my God, damn girl. It just hit. And I was like, wait, what? Like all of those moments where you're just like, we're so connected. We're so similar. It's just so much we don't talk about and don't share and don't see. And uh, I've always just appreciated how you show up and so boldly and so amazing. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan first and a friend second, clearly. But tell us your story. Tell us how you got to the point you are now and a little bit of into if somebody's listening to you and they haven't seen your content. Tell us who you are and what you're doing. I mean, at the end of the day, I never wanted to do this job. Mm. I never wanted to
1: share my life online. However, I did when I was 8 years old, I was in a church play. I think I was like playing like a war porter in the church play <laughs> and this old man who was my mom's gynecologist, which has nothing to do with the story, but he was my mom's gynecologist. <laughs> he like comes he comes to me after the play and he got on his knees in front of me which you know is not something older people do very mm-hmm. often to kids. And he looked in my face and he said, "You're going to talk to a lot of people one day, little girl." Whoa. And I was like even at that age I was really taken back by that and it always stuck with me. Mm. And actually what's funny is his granddaughter is a community member of mine now. So it no was way. a really pivotal moment because I I always took that with me and I'm like I was just to talk to people someday. And what I'm feeling now and and who knows where we're going to be in 5 years 10 sure. years but my purpose online and in real life is to talk to people about myself so they can be more of themselves. Because I think it, when we, when we fully share who we are, it allows other people to share who they are. Mm. I, I see a lot of um, talk on Instagram about what people should do. What mm. should you think? Yes. What should you do? And I really try to stay away from that as much as possible because I just want to share what I'm going through, yeah. what I'm thinking and where I'm at. and the best comment I've ever had is someone goes, you don't want me to be like you. You want me to be like me. And I remember being like, that's it. That's it. That's it. it. That's all I want. I want you to be you. And I want you to feel comfortable showing up as yourself on your worst day and on your best day. Mm -hmm. And there's no apologies for either. And I think we live in a society where sometimes, especially in the body space online, a lot of people Apologize for their good days. Yeah. Um, it's really comfortable to talk about suffering. It's really comfortable to talk about vulnerability. But I mean, for some, obviously, yeah. but I think yeah. if you're in this space, that becomes something you're a little bit more used to. Yeah. But it, it's harder sometimes to say, I'm actually good.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, yes, thank you. I feel like we do this. When we're sitting in darkness, we like other people kind of being in that with us that there is an uncomfortable factor when you've grown into that light. And it can be hard for other people to digest when they're still in the dark. While some people will look at it with hope, other people will look at it with resentment. And there is that guilt factor. I'm so glad you said that because I've been literally dealing with this in my own mind.
1: But I think what is so important Someone asked me recently on an interview, how do you put out content on Instagram that people don't have like an aversion to? And I was like, that's a strange question because I don't think about that. I think about whatever I want to put out. But I think we have sensitivities to things because they draw out things in us. So if someone has like an aversion to my content, for example, I I think you've talked about this too, but I had someone say, why do you have to be in lingerie to talk about body confidence?'" And I was like, well, first of all, would you ever ask this question to someone else? Like if I wasn't a size 8'10", would you be asking this question? If I was a size two, like are you asking every like fashion blogger with her like two index fingers covering her nipples in the jungle? Are you asking her this question? But also my big quandary with that was I never saw myself growing up. I never saw myself. I never saw anyone that looked like me in the Mm -hmm. media. I never saw imperfections. We grew up in an era that things were airbrushed to the inch of their life. I thought having a nipple hair, I was some troll. <laughs> uh, I was literally a troll doll, minus the like good hair. <gasps> you know, things that are so simple that we carry yeah. like little bits of shame about. Stretch marks, obviously, are a big one, but just like other things, yeah. Like there's so much, there's that so we much. Carry, but you're it's, right. It hides. It hides in like, the dark. Literally, I was talking to my boyfriend the other night, and I was like. Craig, I feel so weird without my eyelash extensions right now mm-hmm. and I feel like I look like tired and this is like something I was thinking about which then I had a whole shame spiral about this but I was like I look more Asian.
0: Interesting. And that was a really strange thing because I was
1: describing I look more tired, I look like my eyes are more shut. I look and then in mm. inside I knew, oh, it's because you look more Asian you look more Korean. I
0: watched a documentary and they talked about the fact that in Asian culture, for many, the goal is to look more white. And that's why there's bleach in their soap. That's why they do anything. They literally lift their eyes to look more white. And that's where I I get it. I, well, I don't get it. I mean, in the sense that like, I can see where that's an onion peeling back layer that you probably didn't ever expect to come encounter with.
1: No during way. a time
0: like this. No way. And
1: also, you know, you think of the normal stuff, like I've gotten over that, like yes. my thighs touch. I've gotten over the fact that I've stretch marks, like literally no one cares. I've gotten over the fact that I'm not ever going to be, nor do I care to be a size four. Mm. they are just things that I've like just gotten over yes. and I'm just like, I'm, you know, whether or not I feel positive or negative about them on a daily basis, I am okay with them. I have accepted them and I'm moving on. Yeah. But this weird thing with my eyes and my, my eyelashes because it really like brought up a new weird thing about mm-hmm. I had not known how much internalized beauty standard I had around being half Asian. And I was like, wow, that is a new That's thing new. that I didn't even know that I cared about because I like that I look mixed. Yeah. I like that. I like that I have a different look, but yeah. even in liking that, there was this little slice of, I don't like this one aspect of being the race that I am. And it was a learning experience Mm. even in this like quarantine period of being like, oh, I need to deal with that. Like, I need to think about what that is and I need to like attack that. And also it's okay to do eyelash extensions. That doesn't mean I'm not gonna get eyelash extensions that I have to live my life with short, stubby lashes, but it does say, okay, what do I do with that? Mm -hmm. What do I do with that internalized feeling of wanting to look more white?
0: Well, and I think it comes down to, and this is where a lot of people tend to struggle when it comes to shame, is that you start to feel like, let's say, for instance, you're talking about your eyelashes and now you're journeying through this, why you had them in the first place and what kind of the feelings and the security that it brought for you. But after you journey through that, should you choose them again? Is that just more preference? And I felt that with body hair recently because... I actually started following women who grew out their body hair because I was starting to find, I used to think it was disgusting and slowly by seeing it and being made more aware of it, it suddenly became more and more attractive. Which what it did for me was that when I did have hairy legs or I had laser years ago, so I don't grow back that much. But even when I was like looking at it and seeing it, I didn't feel this shame around it. I felt like I had choice and like it's preference. It becomes like that. And I think that's why it's so important that we don't always judge people's decisions because it might be preference and it might be something that they're actually journeying through when it comes to security or awareness or like whatever it is that causes those choices. Like I do believe that we have to give ourselves and each other allowances for those choices because we really don't know what is at the root of them, if it's preference or if it's more. And I mean, I know there must be a lot. This is again, like going back to that showing up online
1: and the question of why do you have to be in lingerie? The journey that you took with body hair of seeing people and it being normalized and it becoming part of the zeitgeist for you, that is important. And it is important that that is why people of size diversity, but also general diversity, all yeah. kinds of diversity show up and be themselves and visible because we start to say, oh, that's beauty and mm-hmm. this is beauty. Mm-hmm. This body hair is okay and this body hair is okay. And the same shift that you did with growing out armpit hair or shaving it, both are okay. Mm-hmm showing up in lingerie as a size two, but having someone as a size 10 and then having someone as a size 24, all in one snapshot of our culture is so important because it's not that you have a preference and it's not because you are like one or more than the other. It's that the visibility of it makes all of it more acceptable and more normal. And so I'm hoping that girls that are growing up are seeing all of these people online Mm -hmm. and going oh, yes, this all makes sense. Yeah. This all is an option. This all is out there and it all is beautiful mm-hmm. in its own way. And you can kind of, I don't know, you it makes living with yourself better. It makes living with yourself in your own skin more palatable. And I hope, like I think our generation, we've had to do a lot of undoing. And I'm sure the next generation will have undoing of their own in a very specific, different way. But I hope this, I hope this is changing. I hope this is new.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where I kind of always come home to with it is that social media kind of took everything back into our own hands. And we forget that. We actually have control over what we see and what we put out there. We can't sit back and complain about what's on television. What's it? We can. I mean, we can do that. But we also have the opportunity to be a part of change. We actually got to shift millions and billions of dollars of marketing money into a platform of anybody's and everybody's and allow them voices, allow different, the fact that like Women who are short get to have bodies like be models. Like some of the biggest. When I see this one woman in Britain, she's so tiny, she's like five feet tall. And she's like on billboard, she's a massive model. And she never would have been given a shot in the industry. So she gave herself a shot in her own platform. You and yeah. I carved out our own paths with doing something that wasn't even being done at the time that we were doing it. And thank goodness we have community with each other, but also like it just opening so many doors. I love what you said in terms of like showing up as yourself allows. Other people to kind of do that as well. Because what's happening is we're still being called brave. And this is where I kind of like, it's oh hard. Don't get me started. No, but would you ever, would anybody ever look at a thin girl in a bikini and say, Oh, you are so brave? You're so, honey, you're so brave. And I get that all the time. Like, you are so brave. I'm like, Hi. I'm doing, Why? Because I exist? <laughs> yeah, it's weird, but it used to feel like bravery to me and it doesn't anymore. And that's what I think has, you've really inspired me for is being that unapologetic to show up. Like, I mean, there's a lot of me that has really been opened up to talk about like self-love in the sense of masturbation and stuff like that too. Like, we're allowed to have those conversations and we don't have to be put into these social constructs of like what a woman is and how oppressed she needs to be. But we need other women in front of us to be doing it with us or before us so that we can continue to open those doors for those behind us and after us. And I just love you for doing that. And I just, we could go on forever. I'm like looking at the time. I'm like, how are we at 40 minutes? Okay. So first of all, you're going to see her in the show notes. Her content will literally like shake you in the coolest way. Like you have to follow this woman. Like you're literally one of my faves. And I say that like totally honestly, like you're just you're really huge in, for me in my own personal journey, but like I just know you are that for so many others. But I want to talk about your podcast a little bit. I just was on it. So explain to me why you did Press Send and what it is because I think it's one of the coolest concepts I've heard for a podcast for a long time. And the way that you approach it with your guests and everything, it was the most fun I've had on a podcast in so long. It was a lot that of fun. makes me happy. So fun. So I think
1: this is a life lesson for people. And this is a life lesson that I've learned just on my own is sometimes you want to do something and you can chase after it. And sometimes you can listen to what people and people that you respect and the world around you is asking you for and lean into it. Because I think if you're at home and you're stunted creatively of what you should do next or something that you'd be good at, you want a career change, whatever that is. One tip I have for people is to really ask people that you trust around you, what do you think I'm good at? Mm. And not what kind of jobs would you think I would be good at? But like, what am I good at? Am Mm. I good at telling stories? Am I good at communication, am I good at loving people? Like what am I good at as a human being? And then that can translate into other things, jobs or or what have you. But for me, I was leaning into the fact that people were asking me for advice. So I was having so many comments in my DMs asking for advice. I'm going through a breakup. I want to like get in touch with myself sexually. How do I do that? I am in a bad family situation. I'm going through a divorce. Whatever it might be, and I was just having individuals come to me and ask me for their advice. And I was like, "How cool would it be? I think I'm okay. I'm a cool person. But how much better would it be to have someone I respect come on and I pick the questions, so they have some tie to the guest yeah. that I think that they might be able to lend some special insight that I might not be able to add. But people really unleash their hearts into these messages that that we get to answer. And we answer listener questions about everything from relationships to sex, to body confidence, everything in between work, all of it. And the beauty is, is that, and this has been the beautiful thing for me is I've figured out that we all have the same exact questions. We all have the same exact worries. We all have the same exact stress. So much so that I almost have trouble picking questions that I haven't picked before because they're the same question worded differently. And in the end, it is so comforting. When I read people's submissions, it is a warm blanket, not because they're suffering, but because we all are suffering with the same things and we're just doing it quietly. So Mm. my goal with the podcast was to amplify people's questions and their calls out for advice because at the end of the day, we all need the same things. We might not need it at this moment, but we'll need it in five years. It might recall some things that we needed in the past. And to be able to experience that in a podcast form together, so many people were like, You answered my question today, but I didn't write it in. Oh, that's so cool. Which is an amazing thing. It's like, I had this on my mind. I was just too afraid to speak it. Or I'm going through that exact situation. And what I think at the end, we all feel bonded. And we all are going through the same crap. And I'm happy to create a place that we can go through it together. And with someone that I respect. And I think being able to talk to you on my podcast about family and about what we're going through right now Mm -hmm. and then our bodies and things like that, that will help people. Like Mm -hmm. it will help people. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you feel that too with this podcast. Like there is a satisfaction on the other end of creating content that, you know, might help someone feel less alone. It's an amazing feeling.
0: I think that's exactly it. And I think that I love what you're saying and why I love podcasting too, is it brings stories that we aren't used to hearing and that we're not into a very vulnerable space. Like, I don't know what infertility is like, So I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to bring somebody on who can. I don't know what it's like to be human trafficked. So I'm going to bring somebody on who was. We get to have these conversations and open them up. And I'm sure this is what's huge about your podcast as well, is that even if you've never gone through it, you now create an answer to so many questions in terms of when somebody comes to you and like, oh, like I'm struggling with my partner's not, you know, sexually desiring me. You're like, you know what? I heard this podcast episode. Listen to this, and I do this all the time too. Where I'll give people podcasts, listen to my favorite one being the JVN Getting Curious episode where what is toxic stress and why is she so bad for you. I had one person tell me to listen to that podcast and I've probably listened to it four times. And every time I listen to it, I'm like to the core changed. And it it becomes like a new resource to give to other people. So you kind of expand in your network of how to be a supportive human being to other human beings. Like I yeah. uh, love that. I love it's that an we incredible can do thing. That. And also,
1: I mean, I think especially in times like this, when you feel like a lot of people are at home alone yeah. or by themselves I think I'm realizing that listening to podcasts is something that uh, frequently we do alone. It's our yeah. moment of solitude. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a moment of being together with someone even if it's like virtually with yeah. someone. And I hope in this time that hearing a couple voices in the background of what anyone's doing yeah. makes you feel like they aren't they aren't going through this by themselves. No, and you're so right. and I hope that carries on after the you know, obviously this time that having a friendly voice in the background of you cooking food or make cleaning dishes or whatever you like doing while you podcast. I think there is something so intimate and so much of it, like a friendship built over yes. audio. So yes. I'm very thankful that we get to do this. And I, I and I'm too. so glad that we got to do this today because I actually feel like I got friend time.
0: Yeah, I know. It doesn't even feel, I feel like it's like the end of the work day and I feel like I haven't worked. <laughs> before. I mean, I should probably go Pretty check good. in with Tom Nook guys, we're both, we just already talked about it on hers, but we're both animal crossing junkies. And oh my that's gosh, okay. I just, when I did my solo podcast last week, I had to like explain. And as I'm explaining it, I'm like, basically it's just real life, but you pay a mortgage and do things in a really cute land <laughs> that doesn't have yeah. coronavirus. And the interest rates are like really low. <laughs> okay. Tell me your favorite Islander. Like who is your favorite neighbor? Do you have one? Okay, so I'm a little bit behind you in okay. building my island. I
1: have just gotten all my residents. We both have an influencer that lives on our island. Yeah, both so have an influencer. She's a bear. Um, oh. I forgot her name, but she is really cute. And she has a star sweater. And I'm like, you no, tutu? I like you.
0: Is it Tutu? Tutu, yeah. <gasps> I have Tutu, but she's not but an influencer for me. She's not. Wow. She's just very nice. Wow, Tutu is only an influencer on my island. Apparently. <laughs> wow, there's a glitch.
1: This is a simulation. Also, I've focused a lot of time on getting my outfits together just in case anyone visits me. <laughs> it's it's an unhealthy thing. I mean, I think it actually is really healthy because it's really, there's nothing like escaping real life to go to a, like, a cuter real life.
0: Oh, I literally went to, my friend hosted a birthday party for herself on her island and we all flew in and we like dropped gifts at her and we played games. And I was like, this is Wild, like we're living in this. I was considering changing my like underneath my name on Instagram to like gamer instead of public figure. I'm just like, and I'm not even kidding, like this is not even a joke. Five minutes before we started podcasting, I got a reach out email from like a gaming network to see if Me I would too! like really <laughs> oh my like, god I'm gonna be a
1: twitch star can I animal <laughs> is this happening I was like I'm leaving Instagram I'm going I'm a gamer I'm gonna do Animal Crossing online also me and my boyfriend are gonna play Monopoly on Switch for everybody
0: it's also funny how Animal Crossing like so my daughter was really excited but it went nuts over it because it was all in whatever the news so she started playing it and I picked it up and was like I want to do it too like I just was like playing goofing around and I started it and then I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And then I had to go to the bathroom. So I hand it to my husband and I was like, I got to go pee. I'll be right back. Like, just take care, just fish for me. So I go and I come back and I was like, okay, can I have it back now? And he's like, no, I'm playing now. And I was like, what? And so we <laughs> actually got a second switch because.
1: <laughs> yes, I actually saw that on your story. That. I'm like, there next. are two switches we happening. two switches. Yeah, it's, hey, you know what? Whatever it takes to get through this, like we're having was, the like, best time. To me- I literally was telling her this a minute ago, but I was like, um, I I told my boyfriend, I was like, I have to get up. Uh, I have to stay up to about past 12 because there are specific fish that come out late at night. And I'm like, yeah. what's happening to me? I'm literally revolving my life yeah. and my well being around times
0: for rare animals appearing. So this is get those a new snap and stage turtles. of my being. <laughs> yeah. I mean, snapping turtles only come out after nine. There's hey, so much that goes on. We're about to lose tarantulas. Who knows what comes out? I'm pretty sure scorpions. We guys, ha- we, nobody understands. It's also, unless this they game is in real time for anyone who hasn't played. So oh, literally, yeah. it's like the hours of
1: the day. So you have to spend, you have to log a lot of hours on this thing. Yeah,
0: certain bugs and animals only come out during certain times of the day. So you kind of have to, and when it is raining, you can't stop because there's fish everywhere. Guys, they've designed this to take over your life and it came <laughs> just at the right moment. Let this me tell you. This is why you. they're sold out literally everywhere.
1: <laughs> well, I'm
0: going to have you come to my island and I'm going to
1: go to yours. We're going to have I'll so much fun gonna have a little
0: party. OK, yes. so thank you so much. Tell everyone, spell it out for us how we can find you and listen to your podcast. Yeah, so you can
1: find me at Shanae Alexander, C-H-I-N-A-E Alexander on all the things. I'm newly trying TikTok. So if you want to see a 34-year-old Ooh. struggling, Damn that's right. where you can find me there. Instagram, of course, is my main main gig. And then you can find me at Press Send Podcast on all the podcasting
0: platforms. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was so good to spend this time with you. Honestly, honestly, such a great what time. What a
1: great afternoon. I feel like <laughs> I know
0: energized. I do, I do too. It's like raining outside and I feel like sunshine. So, love mm. you so much. And thanks everyone for listening and having fun with us today. And uh, we'll see you next week.